Hey, I don't know if you're um, tracking the Olympics in Japan, but uh, there's been some pretty cool things going on. For example, for all of you Fiji fans, uh, the country of Fiji uh, won a gold medal in rugby, beating New Zealand for the gold medal. Now, <laughs> man, you know what they're doing here? They're thanking God. Yeah, they're thanking God, man. If you, if you look at what's going on, I'm telling you, man, that should get you fired up, huh? Yeah, even though it's the, uh, it's, it's the world stage for Olympics, oh, boy, that's exciting. They, after they won, they, they got on their knees, they prayed, they gave thanks to God, and then they sang a hymn, a worship song, We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of the Lord, we have overcome. So, uh, some of you might want to <laughs> track, track Fiji from now on, man. But something cool's going on, right? Uh, hey, God is working everywhere, even in the United States, for which we're grateful as well. So, man... When I saw those photographs, I, I don't know, I felt like singing too. How about it? Huh? Doesn't that get you fired up? For sure. Also, um, Sidney McLaughlin, winning gold, uh, setting a 400-meter world record for the United States. Uh, Tuesday night, um, she responded on social media uh, in a post thanking God. She's a follower of Jesus Christ. She said, let me start off by saying what an honor it is to be able to represent not only my country, but also the kingdom of God. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. And, um, She's a two-time Olympian uh, champion, and uh, at the end of her post, she said, thank you, God. Also on her Instagram page, she's got a one line there, Jesus saved me. And then uh, after winning her, her gold medal, she said, I'm tr just trusting the process and giving the glory to God. Now, she broke a world record, by the way, and she reflected on the last... Uh, few weeks and training, and she said, I could feel this meat was going to be something special, but man, weeks like these are some of the hardest in a track athlete's life. The mental strain of preparing for the rounds in order to solidify your spot is heavy enough, but the amount of weight the Lord took off my shoulders is the reason I could run so freely yesterday. Isn't that cool? My faith was being tested all week. So what, what she's saying, hey, life isn't easy. Right? You have challenges. You have troubles, man. Your faith, our faith in Christ will be challenged. From bad practices to three false start delays to a meat delay, I just kept hearing God say, just focus on me. It was the best race plan I could have ever assembled. I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. 
I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. Colossians 3.17, I thought this really summarizes uh, Sydney's worldview. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So friends watching online here today, it's a good source of encouragement that whatever we do or say, let's, let's do it as a representative of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him, uh, to God the Father. Nick kind of hit it during our, our time of singing this morning. But uh, I'm reminded, if you go to uh, LifeChurchMH.com, our webpage, there's a link called Hope. Um, and there's a couple videos, and, and um, this is what it looks like. We've got a, a Tim Tebow link. You are loved as you are, and he talks about what it means to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to have a relationship with God. Also, um, there is uh, another one that... Uh, it's called Created by Christ for Christ. And so these are resources that you click on. And if you have questions about God, if you have questions about God loving you, hey, these are, these are great resources that you can um, just take a few minutes. And uh, having a relationship with Jesus Christ is explained in a very clear manner, understandable, and uh, that's what Life Church is all about, by the way. We want to point people to Christ. And once uh, we're a Christ follower, we want to encourage each other to grow strong in our faith so that we can finish strong at the end of the day. Right? That's it. That's it. So, man, I, I have to tell you, man, Fiji, <laughs> Fiji rugby dudes, you press on. You've encouraged me today. How about it? And uh, Sydney McLaughlin, God bless you too, man. You know, using your voice, using your talent for the Lord and, and giving him all the honor. So let's do that too as followers of Christ. No matter what we're doing, let's point people uh, to Jesus. So, yeah. If you're new here, sit, um, Jeremiah already kind of hit on it and to fill out that connect card for sure. But we hope that you have already sensed God's love. Uh, he's here. That's another cool thing about God. He, you know, he doesn't have to make appointments and he doesn't have to take an Uber somewhere. You know, he's everywhere all the time because he loves you and me, no matter where we are. And uh, he's here this morning and we want to recognize that and acknowledge the fact that he is here. And uh, we believe that he's going to be speaking to all of us if we allow him um, to challenge us, to encourage us, even for those that have been rebelling, resisting him, to open our hearts and lives to say yes to him before the, the morning is out. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the good work that you're doing around the world. Lord, we want to thank you for the Fiji rugby team that honored you. Uh, for Sidney McLaughlin and many other Christian athletes on the Olympic team that have given you the honor, Lord, 
to vocalize their faith in you. And Lord, we just pray that you would use their voice uh, to continue pointing people to Jesus Christ. Here's the cool thing. We know, Lord, when we lift you up, you draw people to yourself, and that's what we want. We don't want to draw people to ourselves. We want to point people to you because that's really what matters, eternity. This life is short. The days come and go so quickly. But when we think of eternity, Lord, we do want to be with you forever, just like you want us to be with you. And as we open your word, the Bible, this morning, speak to us. We recognize there's a lot going on around us, Lord, and may we pause the busyness of life and allow you to speak so we can hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go back to 1972. Uh, Some of you may remember the photograph from Vietnam, a nine-year-old girl, Kim Phuc, who was running down the street following a napalm attack. Uh, She unfortunately got caught in a South Vietnamese bombing raid that was targeting a Viet Cong rebel group. Um, That was the route they usually took. And the photographer at that moment who took the picture, put his camera down after he, he took that photograph and he, he brought Kim to the hospital and really, because of that, saved her life. Kim endured years, you can imagine, of physical suffering. For many years she prayed to the gods of Kao Dai, that's her family's traditional religion. That's very popular in Vietnam. Praying for healing, but no answers came. And Kim, over the years, of course, carried a lot of pain, and she was devastated. She was desperate because she was looking for answers in life. Life wasn't making very much sense to her. And so she went to Saigon Central Library and started pulling off Vietnamese books of religion off the shelf, one by one. So she had a pile, she had a stack in front of her at at the table, and one of those happened to be a New Testament Bible. And after thumbing through several books, she opened up the New Testament and began to read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And she was gripped by the sufferings of Jesus Christ as he bore the sins of the world on the cross. It got to her. She suffered. She realized Jesus suffered. And shortly afterward, on Christmas Eve 1982, 19 years old, Kim placed her trust in Christ at a church service. The message of the day was about the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, he tends to bring peace to the storms of our lives if we let him. And Kim wrote, how desperately I needed peace, how ready I was for love and joy, to have some joy in my life. I had so much hatred in my heart, so much bitterness I was carrying. I wanted to let go of all my pain. I wanted to pursue life instead of holding fast to the fantasies of death. I wanted Jesus. 
So when the pastor finished speaking, I stood up, stepped out of the, into the aisle, and made my way to the front of the sanctuary to say yes to Jesus Christ. And there in a small church in Vietnam, mere miles from the very street where my journey had begun amid the chaos of war, on the night before the world would celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world, I invited Jesus into my life. When I woke up that Christmas morning, I experienced the kind of healing that can come only from God. Many of you have experienced that same peace and joy. I had a sense of joy, and finally, my life was at peace. Years later, Kim married, immigrated to Canada, and today Kim's life purpose is to heal others through the love, the joy, and the peace that only Christ can bring. And here's the cool thing. Kim ultimately forgave everybody that had harmed her. She rose above her physical and emotional scars and made a, a choice. She made a choice to embrace the hope of salvation through forgiveness. And also in that whole process, Kim understood that unless she could forgive, she could not grow closer to Christ or point others to Jesus. That made sense to her. And so because she was forgiven by Jesus, she chose to forgive those that hurt her. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. Those of you who are watching online and in this room, what life, what kind of war you've gone through in your personal life. Maybe it feels very dark right now. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel all alone. But just like with Kim Fook, in the process of life, and we know life can be brutal, don't we? It can bring pain and suffering individually, but through all of that, Jesus is always waiting, arms open wide, to extend his love and forgiveness, saying, I want to have a relationship with you. Man, that is it's amazing. And so this morning, we celebrate that fact that that's what he wants to do in each one of our lives as well. And so one of the hazards of being a human being is the reality that we will be hurt, right? <laughs> or we're going to hurt others. That's just the way it is. And the greater reality is that the pain that Jesus went through is really a cure for it all. Because in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. See? Yeah, we recognize there's it's, it's hazardous to be alive on this broken planet. But Jesus has not left us all alone. He's walking us through the process. And so let's go to the book of Philippians once again. Um, Paul writing a letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, Paul, at the time of uh, writing this letter, he was under house arrest. He was, he was uh, chained to a uh, praetorium guard. That was the elite Roman soldiers of the day. He was chained with an 18-inch chain to him. 
And uh, some people think, well, because he was under house arrest, that's no big deal. You know, they just put a little bracelet around your ankle and, you know, they track you. But with Paul, back in that day, you were chained 24-7 to a guard. You had nowhere to go. The guard had nowhere to go. 18 inches. How would you respond to life in a situation like that? Paul was in prison under house arrest because he was telling people about Jesus Christ. And Paul would, it would seem, because he was a human being, he would have the right to really be ticked off at God because life isn't fair. 18 inches, man. I can't go anywhere. I can't do what I want to do. I've got a plan for my life. God, don't you know? But through all of it, Paul cultivated a heart of joy and gratitude to the Lord, that the Lord was even with him under house arrest, and that he had a privilege to tell the praetorium guards about the great love of Jesus Christ, that Jesus went to the cross and he paid for their sin. That was the talk in the locker room, by the way, with those praetorium guards. Hey, man, did you hear what Paul had to say? Yeah, yeah, it's been kind of getting to me lately. God does not relent because of his great love. And so here we go. Let's, let's go to Philippians 2. Uh, we'll pick that up at verse 22. But you know, Paul writing, how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching uh, the good news. And I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here in under house arrest. He's waiting for Nero to pull the trigger where his life is eliminated or set him free. He doesn't know. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Paul had been to uh, the city of Philippi and he was presenting the gospel and, and a church was planted in that city. But the inhabitants of, the, of that city. It was really a Roman colony. It was run by Rome, represented Rome, and they threatened Paul's life, and he had to flee to survive. And so this is 10 years later. A 10-year window has elapsed, and now Paul's under house arrest. Uh, this young uh, church that had been birthed by Paul is thriving, and he's writing a letter to encourage them. And that's why he's saying, man, I, I, I want to come see you. I miss you. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. He was your messenger to help me in my need. And I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve, for he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me. 
what you couldn't do from far away. And then chapter 3, verse 1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. So here we have Paul under house arrest, 18-inch chain to a praetorium guard. That was the war Paul was going through. We know Paul went through many battles to survive once he put his faith in Christ. Just like Kim Fook, who almost lost her life in 1972, she survived and ultimately put her faith in Christ. And we can go on and on, where people have suffered, and yet they realize that putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're able to walk through and find healing for their soul, to find peace in the midst of a storm and war they might be going through. So we see that Paul is writing, and, and the cool thing I, I like about Paul, he, he's a famous apostle for sure, and it, when you track his life, you could say, man, Paul, he, he's an independent dude, man. He, he, he's got it together. He's strong. But in this text, we're seeing that Paul values friends a lot. He realizes that he needs men around him to thrive in his faith with Christ. And so um, he, he's talking about two young men. In fact, Timothy uh, is like a son to him, and Epaphroditus is like a brother. And Paul is just reflecting on how these two men really encouraged him. And yeah, he must have had some bad days through it all, but he always maintained his anchor of joy and grateful for these two men that really encouraged him along the way. So real quick here in, in review, friends have character, verses 22 through 24. Uh, Paul says, uh, you know how Timothy has proved himself. And... Um, uh, like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. And, and Paul, when he's talking about proved himself, uh, it means to be approved by passing a test. In other words, because of the storms of life, because of the wars that we all face, there are people that are not prepared to live consistently. In other words, if they feel like God has abandoned them, like Paul had every right to feel like where is God in the midst of all this mess that I'm going through? Uh, Paul could have aborted his relationship with Christ, just walked away. But instead, he dug in, didn't he? He, he grew in his faith. And because Paul experienced that, he watched Timothy. Timothy went through some tough stuff as well, but he thrived through it. He didn't, he didn't walk away. He didn't quit. And so Paul says... Uh, he has proved himself. I just want to encourage all of us today, I don't know where you're at in that, the lane that you're running in, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ through it all. 
and you prove yourself to be faithful. Number two, friends are loyal, and that's Epaphroditus. Um, uh, Paul's saying, I should send Epaphroditus back to you, and he gives all the reasons. He's a brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, and a messenger. And once again, we see that Epaphroditus, we don't know, we, he, he evidently put his faith in Christ at this new church in Philippi, and he didn't just stagnate. He didn't say, yeah, I put my faith in Christ, and then he hit the pause button to say, I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kind of coast through life. No, Epaphroditus, something happened in him where he was committed to growing, to maturing. Another example, man. And so the church at Philippi, they saw something in Epaphroditus where they recognized we can trust this guy. He's proven himself, just like Timothy. He's proven himself. And so they, they sent him 800 miles away to Rome to bring a love offering to, to Paul to help Paul survive for his daily needs. And then also... Epaphroditus, uh, you go ahead and serve Paul in any way that he needs help. Uh, be a source of encouragement to him. And so, friends are loyal. And once again, Epaphroditus put his faith in Christ and he grew. Kim Fook put her faith in Christ. And she has grown in her faith. How about you? How's that working out for you? And so Paul, writing that uh, Epaphroditus, once again, a true brother. You know, he's my brother. He's, he's a co-worker. And together we serve together, side by side. He's a fellow soldier. Paul recognizing that there's a spiritual battle out there. Um, people are not our enemy. We know that the, the root of it all comes from Satan himself. And so we fight together. And then he's your messenger. He's an ambassador. He's representing Jesus well. And once again, Epaphroditus only shows up in this letter. Philippians, that's it. He comes and he goes. And really didn't do anything as we would say, oh, the dude was awesome, you know? He was a great leader. He did this, this, and this. And Paul is saying, Epaphroditus brought me an offering and he stayed with me in Rome and he served with me. And I think Epaphroditus, even though in our standards of 2021 today, we might think, well, it doesn't sound too impressive, but Paul was able to see through what's going, what goes on on the inside of a person, works itself out to the outside. And Epaphroditus was faithful. And Paul acknowledges that really, he's a hero. He's a hero of faith. And today, Whatever you do for the Lord, the Lord sees it. He sees your heart. He sees your motivation, just like Epaphroditus. And God calls you a brother, a sister. He calls you a co-worker. He calls you a fellow soldier. He calls you a messenger. And he's proud of you. He's proud of you.
And so, Epaphroditus wasn't looking for the lights or fame, front page of, you know, the cover of Time magazine, none of that. He just wanted to serve the Lord faithfully, quietly. And Paul saw that. Many of you know that we're living in a self-obsessed culture. It downplays the importance of friendship. I know when it comes to life challenges, you know, you can walk through a a bookstore today and find books titled Self-Empowerment or Coach Yourself to Success or Healing Yourself with Self-Hypnosis. And when you look at the titles of these books, and there's many more, um, they're basically saying that you have what it takes to make it through any problem you might have. But that's not true. Uh, you know, last week we hit 1 Peter 5.8. Paul recognized this as a point of resistance that Peter writes, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. That's your enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he targets, he targets people that are, they've broken away from the body of Christ. They're, they're floundering. You open yourself up for what? Someone to devour, to be destroyed. In a very practical term, Kenny Luck, who uh, heads Everyman Ministries, put it this way. He said, sadly, millions of Christian men are experiencing a letdown with God. We start off in awe as salvation invades our soul. But slowly, our spiritual high is tempered by some of the realities of spiritual growth that are going to have to be worked out rather than magically resolved. Slowly but surely, our walk with God becomes familiar and routine. The raging fire has dwindled to a tiny ember that doesn't provide light or comfort to those around it. We are simply going through the motions and begin to look toward other outlets to be passionate about. What happened to our worship, our passion? For Christ. Polluting your worship of Christ is Satan's goal, and he will try to infect it by introducing worldly desires to increase, indulge, and impress. He wants to put sand in your gas tank of your spiritual life and shrink your relationships with God and people. He will work hard to get you to blend worldly passions into the fabric of your godliest passions. It's subtle. It's subtle. But you and I, this morning, need to be diligent in our walk with Christ. You know, during World War II, England's Royal Air Force discovered that the pilots made the most errors as they flew their planes back in for a landing, returning to their bases after flying successful missions. Do you know why they made the most errors? Because they found the cause was an almost irresistible tendency to relax. You were successful on the battlefield, you come back and now you can relax. But that, listen, it doesn't matter how many successes you've had in your walk with Christ, we always need to be alert. We have to be aware of our surroundings, we have to be diligent. And maintaining that relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so, yes, we need friends and we need godly men and women in our lives. For example, we need to have, look for people that have intimate relationships with God. That's first and foremost. Second, they need to be compassionate for people. Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's compassion, right? And three, they need to be loyal. <laughs> Paul recognized that. That's what he's talking about with Epaphroditus, man. The dude's loyal. It's hard to find loyalty today. Walter Winchell wrote it this way, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. How many of you experienced that in your life? When everybody else is walking out of your life, a real friend starts to walk in. Say, I'm here to help you, man. I'm here to encourage you. Yeah. Samson. Real quick, he had an opportunity to be famous and godly and represent the kingdom of God well, but it never happened because his life really deteriorated into a soap opera. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, man, he fell from one temptation to another. And what stands out when you look at Samson's life, it was by choice that he traveled alone. Because you never see him with a buddy, do you? You don't. A friend. Moses had Aaron. Joshua had Caleb. David had Jonathan. Paul had Timothy and Epaphroditus. Samson had nobody. He wandered through life and he paid a terrible price because of it. Paul recognized he needed friends around him. Friends, we need friends around us today more than ever. We sure do. 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I like that. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. For example, what's that look like? Yesterday, a dude from church came by with a loaf of bread. And you might say, oh, what's so cool about that? Well, because this loaf of bread uh, makes my heart smile. And he knows that, you see? So, so he, he knows that, you know, that, that's, that's a good loaf of bread right there. And so, and so he, he brought it to me and he said, man, I want you to enjoy it. You see that? That's what friends do, man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you enjoy that companionship, man. Like Wednesday night at Cowboy Night, wasn't that? It was so cool. The donkey was out there, hee-hawing, and, 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 you know, God made the donkeys too. How about it? Uh, that was a great night, just being together once again. And even, even you know, uh, Nick and Travis on the guitars singing, it was just cool to worship outside, man. It's good. It's good being together. It's good to have companionship. Hmm. So, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in Germany in the 1930s, was arrested because he wasn't going along with the program. 
put in a concentration camp. This is what he said. God put this word into the mouth of human beings so that it may be passed on to others. When people are deeply affected by the word, the Bible, they tell it to other people. Christians need other Christians who speak God's word to them. They need them again and again when they become uncertain and disheartened. They need other Christians as bearers and proclaimers of the divine word of salvation. Isn't that true? Friend, be a friend. Be loyal. Be compassionate. Be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Number three, friends put their lives on the line. And we've used this verse quite often during this uh, part of the the letter that Paul wrote, John 15, 13, put your life on the line for your friends. Put your life on the line for your friends. We see that Epaphroditus was very distressed. He was concerned about his friends back in Philippi. He didn't want them to worry, and he had heard that they were worrying about him because Epaphroditus almost died. And we know that Epaphroditus traveled 800 miles to do what he was asked to do, to go to Rome from Philippi to bring a financial gift and be a, an emotional, spiritual support to, to Paul. So, so 800 miles. Uh, we can have a little fun with this. How far is 800 miles? It's about a 12-hour drive. Uh, by car, but imagine back then, um, 800 miles, it took you six weeks to get to that point. Traveling over rough terrain and getting on a boat, a ship on the Mediterranean Sea. And so um, you can see that mm, uh, Philippi right here and Rome, boom, that's 800 miles. So how far is 800 miles? Just for fun. It's, it's Mount Horeb to Birmingham, Alabama. There it is. Boom. 800 miles. <laughs> it kind of gives you a little perspective, doesn't it? I know that because we've stopped in Birmingham after a day's drive. Got up at 4 in the morning, took off, and we, we pulled off around 4.30 in the afternoon for dinner. There's a golden corral down there. <laughs> yeah, man, golden corral. Woo, it's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Uh, so anyway, from here to Birmingham or from Philippi to Rome, 800 miles. Six-week trip for Epaphroditus. Philippians 4.18, Paul put it this way, at the moment I have all I need, and he's chained to a praetorium guard. Not only that, but and more, and I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. You see? Heart of gratitude. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, the other thing is, when... When Paul, for example, was under house arrest, it alerted the Roman military when anybody would associate with a, with a prisoner, 
they were looked at as a potential enemy of Rome. So Rome had its drones flying and they used facial recognition to follow you, man. And so Epaphroditus, when we see that um, he put his life on the line, he really did put his life on the line. He knew he would put his life at risk, first of all, that Rome would be looking for him. Any mistake, man, if he was speeding on a side street, they'd throw him in jail. Anything. And even though Epaphroditus knew that his life was at risk because he was associating with Paul, he, he did it anyway. And Paul appreciated that. Number one, sub point, I want to go home. I know some of you are thinking that right now. <laughs> uh, I want to go home. Hey, hey, um, I want to go home. There's a song. Isn't there a song, I want to go home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. I think there's a couple other ones out there. I want to go home. Now, when you think about this, Epaphroditus saying, I want to go home, you'd say, the dude, he's crashing and burning. He, he, can't, he can't stay where he needs to be. He wants to go home to a nice soft bed, you know, going back to the familiar. But that's not the case. Check this out in verse 26. I am sending him, Paul writing, because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And so Paul, when he uses that word longing, that's that's a word you want to circle because Paul used that same word to describe his own love for Christ. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. So Epaphroditus isn't just going through emotions here or going through motions, you know, just, just doing what he needs to do. But he, you can see Epaphroditus really has a heart of compassion because he had heard over time that the church back in Philippi was really concerned about him. They were worried about him. In fact, some were losing sleep over him. And so, because of that, instead of being absorbed in self-pity, you know, I almost died, I should feel sorry for myself, Epaphroditus is more concerned about the church back home. They're worried about him, they're concerned about him. And it says he's very distressed. That means being beside yourself. That's an interesting word too, because Jesus used that same word when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, very distressed. Look at Mark 14, 33. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Same word. Why was he distressed? Well, for one thing, Epaphroditus couldn't get on a cell phone. He couldn't get on the computer and send off an email, no texting, no Facebook back then. He realized 800 miles is a great distance, six weeks before I could get back there. And I know the church is worried about me. And I just want to calm their nerves. They need to see that I'm doing quite well. Number two, almost died, but God. (laughs) But God. I like that, don't you? God, listen. Kim Fook 
almost died, but God. See? Do you see that? We could all probably think of times I almost died, but God protected me. But God rescued me. Verse 27, and certainly he was ill, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. So Paul is saying, God had mercy on him. Yes, he extended Epaphroditus' life, but he says, but also on me. God had mercy on me, Paul says. Why? Because once again, Paul is not robotic. He's not stoic. He's not, you know, his emotions have not been jaded. Paul's life has been filled with pain. He's had people that he cared about betray him, walk out of his life, try to destroy his ministry. He has been tortured. He's been left to die. But here we see that Paul recognizes the relationship he had with Epaphroditus. It was almost like he couldn't bear another loss at this time in his life. He said, God had mercy on me because I cared so much about Epaphroditus. I couldn't bear another loss. And God, God kept him alive, for which I'm so grateful. He says, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. Now notice verse 28, so I am all the more anxious to send him back to you. Epaphroditus, even knowing that the church at Philippi was concerned about him and it was impacting Epaphroditus himself, it was Paul's decision to send him back to Philippi. Paul was saying, you know, I understand that you sent Epaphroditus here to stay with me until I was executed or released. And just because he's coming back early, hey, he's not bailing out. That's what Paul, that's why he's writing this. It's Paul's decision that he's sending him back. Number three, he risked his life. Verse 29, welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. In other words, just because, because he's coming back before I'm out of jail or I was killed, don't think less of Epaphroditus. You should honor him. This guy has impressed me well with his friendship. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while he was doing it for me. What you couldn't do from far away. That word honor means to give him the honor that people like him deserve. To give someone a high reputation. To elevate their estimation of a person. And so that when he risked his life for the work of Christ, that means in the Greek, to expose oneself to danger, to risk your life, to gamble with your life. Paul was saying for the sake of Jesus Christ, Paul, Epaphroditus was literally gambling his life for the cause of Christ. Dennis Johnson wrote, Paul had another not so ulterior motive in sending Epaphroditus home. The, Philipp the Philippians needed another human role model to show them in a man they, they knew well. 
what it means in the nitty-gritty of everyday life to share the mindset of Christ so thoroughly that one is ready to serve to the point of death following the Savior's footsteps. In other words, Paul was sending him back that the church of Philippi could learn from Epaphroditus, his character qualities, his integrity. It would be a great model for the rest of the church and that he risked his life. Michael Ramsden, a worker for an international ministry, shared a true story about a a pastor from Iran, the country of Iran. The pastor was in his car with his wife driving, and they stopped in a small Iranian village to purchase some water, and there was no quick trip there, by the way. I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if there was? Before entering, the minister noticed a man holding a machine gun leaning up against the wall outside of the store. The minister's wife looked at the man's face, the gun he was holding, and she took a Bible that she had in the front seat and put it in her husband's hand and said, give this man this Bible. Her husband looked at the man, his menacing beard, his machine gun, and replied, I don't think so. But she insisted. She said, I'm serious. Give it to him. Please give him the Bible. And trying to avoid the issue, the husband said, okay, I'll pray about it. (laughs) Okay, and he went into the store, bought some water, climbed back in the car, started to drive away hoping his wife would forget. His wife looked at him and said, I guess you didn't give him the Bible, did you? Looking straight away as he's driving down the road, he replied, no, I prayed about it, and it just wasn't the right thing to do. And she quietly said, you should have given him the Bible. And then she bowed her head and started praying out loud. What's a man to do? At that point, he turned around the car and told his wife, fine, if you want me to die, I will. (laughs) When the pastor returned to the store, the man with the machine gun was still standing against the wall. He hadn't moved. The pastor approached him and placed the Bible in his hand. When the man opened it and saw that it was a Bible, he broke down. Yeah, he wept. A man wept. He said, I don't live here in this village. I had to walk three days in order to get to this village. But three days ago, an angel appeared to me and told me to walk to this village and wait until someone had given me the book of life, the Bible. Thank you for giving me this book. After that encounter, that Iranian pastor became very bold and courageous for Christ. Eventually, along with many other co-workers of his in the Iranian church, he was martyred for his faith. Like Epaphroditus risked his life, friend, um, for a man to walk three days to get a Bible, and we leave ours on the shelf all week, don't we? 
It's just a thought. The Bible is God's love letter to you and to me, where we get to know God, his character, his love, his purpose. Yeah. And in order to maintain that, that walk with Christ, that we don't coast and we don't cruise and we don't become apathetic and just go through the motions, reading it will inspire us to become more like Jesus. And so today, as we look at Paul's life and Timothy and Epaphroditus, what has the Spirit of God been saying to you? Lord, we thank you this morning for your love, for your forgiveness. We saw it in um, Kim Fook, who her life was almost destroyed because of war. And we know, Lord, that life can be a war at times. And at times we may feel like giving up. And we wonder where you are. But today, Lord, we've been encouraged to see Paul's example and his friend's example in his own life. How we too can follow after you in these challenging days. And so we thank you, Jesus, that uh, just like you went after Kim Fook and you went after Epaphroditus, you're going after people in this room and people watching online this morning. And I pray right now, Lord, that um, if someone's here, someone's watching that has never put their faith in you, that they would simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And sin will keep me away from you. And Jesus, because you love me so much, you went to the cross to pay for my sin debt in full. There's nothing I can ever do to try and earn my way to heaven, work my way into heaven by being good. It's never going to be enough. But you paid it all in full. And I recognize that this morning. And I recognize because of your great love, you're pursuing me. And so I simply say, Lord, I'm inviting you into my life right now. And forgive me of my sins. I'm putting my trust in you, Lord, and you alone. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that this morning, friend, we have material and, and a guest central in the foyer that explains what it means to put a, have a relationship with Christ. And if you have any questions, we're, we're going to be hanging around this morning. It's fun to hang around. It really is. It's fun to hang around where God is and God is everywhere. And so we celebrate that decision that you've made this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.